Welcome back to the Anglo Omani Society podcast. Today we are really excited to share Natalie Taylor's upcoming adventure, Yalla Go. Stay tuned to hear all about it. This week I was fortunate enough to speak to former ice maiden Dr. Natalie Taylor. Alongside being a member of the Royal Army Medical Corps, an enthusiastic athlete and one of Marie Claire's women at the top in 2015, Dr. Natalie has skied 1,700 kilometers across Antarctica, leads girl guides and goes out on remarkable adventures at every opportunity. Her next mission is to traverse Amman in a beeline with Anissa Al-Raisi as part of the Yellow Go team, which is what she's speaking to me about today. So, for anyone who doesn't know already, please tell us a little bit about what Yalago is, how you and Anissa came up with the idea, and what you're hoping to achieve. So Yalago is going to be an opportunity for Anisa and I to cross Oman in a straight line. So Anisa has uh, drawn a straight line through Oman from the northeast in Musandam all the way down to the south uh, by Salala on the coast. Uh, we're going to follow that line. We're going to allow ourselves five kilometres either side of that line. Um, so we'll be traversing mountains, uh, quicksand, deserts, more mountains, and then we'll be at the sea. Um, so that's the concept of Yalago, but... We're, the reason we're doing Yalago is to inspire a whole group of uh, the youth, the kids, the 10 to 15 year olds to get outside, embrace mental wellness and get outside and enjoy adventure. That's the whole point of Yalago during these COVID times is to encourage the kids to get outdoors, follow us online uh, and take on some challenges that we're going to set along the way. How are you including kids in your preparations for the track then? Fantastic. Yeah. So for the kids to get involved uh, at the beginning now, they can just follow us online. Uh, that's on Instagram, on Facebook and uh, via the website and TikTok um, where we'll be setting little challenges. So um, I'm a girl guide leader and I'm passionate about the girl guides and we've developed um, a challenge badge. It's not just for the girl guides. Any kids that want to get involved just need to get in touch and we can share the material for them to get involved and take on those challenges beforehand. Uh, and then while we're on the trek, they'll be able to um, see as we pass kind of historical sites and cultural sites we'll be setting challenges you know why was the forts in um, why are the forts in Oman built the way they are to keep the, the area cool compared to the castles in the UK and how we built our castles and why we built them the way we did so we can learn a little bit about history in a fun way but then also learning the cultural differences between the UK and Oman in the UK we love to make tea uh, and in Oman they love to make coffee although arguably now uh, the UK is a bit more of a coffee theme too but just things like that so kids can learn a little bit about Oman and then vice versa about the UK. Oh, that sounds really brilliant. So as well as kind of trying to encourage kids to get outdoors and go on adventures, you're also promoting the bilateral friendship, which is what we're all about, the Anglo-Man Society, and teaching people about the different cultures. That's such a great idea. And what kind of challenges have you set in the lead up for the kids? Because I've seen on Instagram, you've set some challenges already for the kids in the lead up to the track as well. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, um, I, like I say, I'm a girl guide leader. And so uh, only this week, we went out on an adventure hike with uh, the group of girl guides. It's dark here in the UK this time of year at seven o'clock in the night. So we put on our head torches, we wrapped up warm with our waterproofs because naturally I live in Wales. And so it rains all the time. And off we went to go and hunt for bunny to find food that we could forage. So just understanding and appreciating the nature around us now it's really important and then um, learning and thinking about how can we keep cool in Oman because it's going to be super hot in Oman so getting the kids to think about ways to keep cool um, although it's freezing cold here in the UK uh, and then also ways of um, collecting water if we kind of if for example Anita and I had a problem and our water bottles broke how would we get water so just getting the kids to think a bit outside the box how to use nature um, to kind of as a way of supporting them rather than kind of a scary place. 
Fantastic. Um, and how did you get into adventuring to begin with? And why is it so important to you? probably mentioned it already everyone's gonna be like oh gosh stop talking about girl guides um so um for me uh, i was really fortunate i grew up in the midlands in the uk and um i lived in a little village and uh there was a girl guide unit there and i started there and that's where i did my first um kayaking my first rock climbing and all that sort of thing was with the girl guides we camped every summer in tents we cooked on wood fires um and all that sort of thing just kind of really made me appreciate how amazing and how much fun you can have in the outdoors and um, um, I was just lucky that I enjoyed this, the outdoor activities. And then when I went to university, I started taking up running and I started just doing more and more adventures uh, as I got older. And when you're on the Yala Go track, uh, presumably you're anticipating doing a lot of walking. Uh, but are you planning on doing any kind of kayaking or swimming or rock climbing or abseiling or anything else like that? Yeah, exactly. So uh, where we start in the northeast, I, I never mention it because I'm actually scared of water. Uh, and so it's the bit I'm least looking forward to, but, you know, also the most excited about. Uh, in the northeast in Musandam, it's a group of islands in Oman. And so we're going to be crossing that area um, via sea kayak. So that'll be that four days of sea kayaking. And then the rest of it, I'll be much happier once we've done the start because I'll be back on firm land where I'm much more comfortable. Um, and we've done some recce and we've looked at lots of maps um, to understand the terrain we're going to be crossing but there are some areas where there is a possibility that we might have to take ropes with us to abseil down some potentially uneven ground and some steep ground um, we think that we should be able to hike scramble without ropes uh, up to all of the high points but there are some points where we might have to abseil Oh, exciting. So part of it is obviously trying to encourage kids to go on adventures, as you've said. Why do you feel that this is so important that kids and kind of girls in particular, I know you've talked about, um, go out and explore the world? Yeah, Anita and I um, have chatted a lot about Yalago and uh, what we want our messaging to be. And for us, the outdoors is something that's been so important in our lives from a young age. And then I think now when you look at COVID as well, um, we have to do things in a safe environment, of course, but um, the outdoor still offers so much to the young kids. And I think when you get to that um, age of 10 to 15, it's such a, an awkward age. You've got so much going on that actually to have that moment of pause and be able to encourage kids to go outside and explore nature. It doesn't have to be an epic adventure crossing Oman, but even just going up to your local hill uh, that maybe near, is near you or going along the river in a safe manner, keeping away from people, like socially distancing, but you can still have those adventures and you can find out a little bit more about the area that you live in and just learn a bit more about your environment. Has COVID-19 uh, presented any challenges for your track? Uh, yeah, so uh, COVID-19 has definitely posed some challenges for us earlier on in the year. There was that question of, you know, will we, won't we be able to attend? Uh, will I be able to get into Oman? Um, because I need a tourist visa, uh, flights, Oman's only just opened up uh, international flights. So all those things were unknown. And in June, July, Anisa and I were twiddling our thumbs and just, you know, not sure what to do. But we both decided that it's better to plan and not be able to go than to not plan. And then all of a sudden there is the opportunity to go, but we haven't got the um, right 
plan in place to be able to go. So that definitely posed a, a challenge for us. Uh, and some of the other, other kind of COVID restrictions that have posed challenges, um, there were talks that I was going to go out to Oman uh, over the summer period to potentially do some more um, looking at the area that we're going to be crossing and also to um, some of our team are going to go out to see what um, the kids of Oman want, you know, so we can uh, not just provide a package of adventure for the British kids, but to also understand the kids in Oman. So Anisa's had to do all that work by herself. She's done amazing, but um, you know, we had planned to have a more team approach on that. Um, but these challenges are all there. It's all part of the adventure. It's why we do outdoor things, isn't it? Like if things were easy, everybody would do them. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Um, how can you tell me a bit about how you and what adventures you've done in the past? Um, because I assume that trekking a desert is something quite out of the ordinary. So what kind of things have you done before? Yeah, so uh, I, my, my, uh, my background is adventure racing. So adventure racing is where you race normally as a team of four so males and females so my team endurance life is um three blokes and myself so i'm the female um and we've done races all over the world where um you when you race you lose time sorry when you're racing it's a, a set time period so if you go to sleep you're losing time moving so you have to balance sleep versus movement uh, and the races can last five to seven days um so you can have like two hours sleep a night uh, so you're quite sleep deprived but you kayak you run uh, you trek and you mountain bike and then occasionally you do rope skills or rollerblading and the like um so that's kind of my background and my endurance kind of has come from that uh but more recently, um, how I actually met Anisa was I was fortunate. I'm a, you say I'm a doctor in the British Army, and I co-organised a expedition across Antarctica called Ice Maiden, which was the first all-female team to cross Antarctica coast to coast via the South Pole using muscle power alone. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that was obviously in the cold in Antarctica. So to do that, we did lots of preparation in the Arctic. I've done some ultra marathons in the Canadian Arctic and the Finnish Arctic. Um, so. Predominantly, my big adventures have been in the cold or uh, in the mountains. So naturally, the next place to go would be the desert. Uh, so I'm really, really looking forward to being in Oman and uh, experiencing uh, the diverse nature that Oman has to offer. Are there ways that you're having to prepare for the heat that you're kind of not used to having done most of your um, expeditioning in the cold? Yeah, certainly. So what I'm actually doing the job at the moment, I'm an academic general practice doctor. So I'm a GP uh, when I do my clinical work, but I'm also doing some academic work within defence. And one of my areas of interest is heat injury and how we acclimatise to the heat. Um, I've been out in, in Oman on exercise with the British military before. Um, and so I've got a good understanding of how to acclimatise to the heat. But uh, my plan had been to use the local swimming pool sauna. So I'd go out running and then I was planning on going and sitting in the sauna for half an hour, an hour after my training to get my body used to the heat. Obviously, because of COVID, the saunas aren't open anymore. So I've just bought, and it came last week, uh, a mobile temporary sauna that essentially looks like a human size, you know, the ski boot uh, bags that you can get um, yeah. and your head out of it and there's like a little uh like a motor so you put some water in and then there's this like electric thing that heats it all up and basically steams your body um so i'm gonna i haven't built it yet i'm going to start using that um three weeks before we go just so i can acclimate to the heat before i get to everyone when are you planning on actually starting the track 
Uh, so that date's just at the moment. We're just finalising that date. There's been a few um, things to finalise because, again, of COVID and getting visas into Oman um, and the such like. We'll be starting in November, but the date exactly is going to be confirmed in the next week. Fantastic. Uh, were there any role, role models that you had growing up and what made them impressive or like good examples of leaders? Um, yeah, so I've been asked this quite a lot about role models and um, they, I've, I've got a few. Um, some are really important. And my two girl guide leaders, when I was a kid, um, I had my leader who ran my unit, a lady called Annabelle Davis. She was in the res- Army Reserves at the time and she's a radiologist, so she's a doctor. Um, and uh, she was just like this amazing woman that gave up so much of her time to run guide meetings week in week out and we were horrible little children but she still came uh, came every week and set amazing challenges uh, organizing us to go kayaking uh, to cook um, on wood fires digging up her drive every year um, and and they're like so she's like really inspired me and just believed in me and then um, I was fortunate to be selected to uh, represent the Midland region in girl guiding to go to an international jamboree out in Russia when I was 16 and again the leader there Liz Hurst was like a polar opposite type of leader um, she was much more relaxed um, and just kind of let us make our own mistakes um, but again like she believed in me and encouraged me so I think those two are really important and then when it comes to exercise and activity I remember being a kid watching Paula Radcliffe at the London Marathon break the female world record and there and then I decided I'm going to run a marathon and I remember putting on these trainers now looking back at really inappropriate to run in and I ran along the canal where I lived uh, like to mark the start of my marathon training well so when when you're doing kind of marathons trekking through the arctic climbing mountains at some point surely you must kind of doubt your abilities and so when the going gets tough how do you reinvigorate and motivate yourself to carry on yeah i think imposter syndrome is um like really well recognized isn't it where you're in a job or you're in a position where you think oh I really shouldn't be here and I know that women uh, often get imposter syndrome more than men and it happens to us all doesn't it um and I think it's just being aware of it uh, there are times when I'm doing ultra marathons where I think why am I doing this I've got nothing to prove you know your body's in pain you're tired you know you know you could just sit down and it could all be over um but then i suppose you've got to have a reason to why you're doing this like what makes you tick i love endurance activities i love pushing my body to the absolute limit because it's then that your mind really gets tested so i just have to remind myself that the reason i'm doing this is to test my mind um but things that I really enjoy doing when I'm kind of think, oh gosh, life is awful. I actually go back to listening to or trying to sing Disney classics. Uh, I'm not going to sing, don't worry. Um, but I just find that kind of childlike enjoyment kind of comes back and reinvigorates the soul of it. Which songs in particular? I'm a big Lion King fan. Um, uh, definitely the Lion King comes out quite a lot. <laughs> I can imagine kind of pushing yourself onwards with like the circle of life moving forward. <laughs> I just can't wait to be king comes up yes such a good one um and yeah great advice for how to continue to motivate yourself uh, when things are getting tough uh do you have any advice for parents uh to help support their children with adventuring both in oman and around the world um particularly for the parents who might be a bit worried about the risks that are involved yeah and so i'm an auntie i've got a seven-year-old niece who is uh uh, a mini adventurer definitely um and perhaps her her parents 
look in horror as I am perhaps not the most uh, sensible auntie at times but it's always risk managed and I've always made a risk assessment um, but maybe not the same as the parents would do I think when it comes to getting kids out adventuring uh, whether it's just learning to climb on like the walls around your house um, or uh, like little walls not the actual house walls um, and they sort of think it's just about letting making sure that the children understand that there is a consequence so if you do this you need to be careful because if you fall that would happen and rather than making kids scared of things it's them understanding why we need to be cautious like obviously fast flowing water we don't just go and jump in a river we look at it and then we understand why we can't cross that river but we can go and play in the little stream i think it's just giving them those little options um is is really sensible yeah and it sounds like um from what you're doing with yellow go as well they'll be able to watch you on an adventure and you'll be able to show them the kind of like things you're doing to make sure the risks are at an absolute minimum yeah exactly there's so much planning that goes in and um, i've just started talking on instagram about the planning that we're doing um now that goes into mitigating all of those risks of course you don't just wake up one morning and go i'm going to walk across the desert you have to do a little bit of a risk assessment and work out what the pros and cons are and how you can get around those issues so the kids can understand what's going on um, so they can then build their own um, safety bubble so you mentioned that you've been in oman a bit with the army but are you kind of nervous about somewhat unfamiliar territory to you and um, embarking on this massive, massive adventure through it? Oh, for sure. I think everyone has that kind of nervous anticipation and the excitement all at the same time. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I don't like water. So sea kayaking is always the biggest challenge. We do it lots in adventure racing, so it's not like I've not done it. Um, I'm just never... Um, as happy as when I'm on the land uh, so yeah definitely nervous about that and then I, I think I'm more excited than nervous about um, all the terrain we're going to be crossing going over the mountains and things um, I've been trying to learn Arabic but I'm just really relieved that we've got Anisa who's fluent in Arabic and English so can um, help us when we come across um, like local people to um, explain why we're crossing over their land and things yeah and it, uh, it'll be good if you can kind of learn the basics while you're out there of Arabic and then maybe share that with people in the UK as well um so you've, you've said that even though kayaking, sea kayaking is not your favourite, um, it sounds like you've tried like a really vast array of different adventure kind of things, outdoor sports and activities. Are there scratches that you haven't itched yet or anything that more you'd like to try that you haven't so far? Oh, there's so much that I'd love to, to try or challenges that I've got in the back of my mind that I'm going to hopefully one day do. Um, yeah, there's definitely, there's always more to be done, isn't there? And I think for me, Yalago, um, it's going to be a, a physical challenge for sure because it's 50 days. Um, walking kind of 30 to 40 kilometers most days, that's definitely going to be challenging. Um, but uh, compared to some of the other physical things I've done, it's perhaps not um, right up there. But the thing that's kind of really driving me to really push the go is the fact that we can actually have a really good impact on getting kids to uh, get inspired, to get outdoors, to um, just face the outdoors and build that mental wellness and mental resilience. I think it's really important because the outdoors just allows so much for the soul. It's just perfect. I couldn't agree more um, and talking to you is reigniting my passion for adventuring as well and Oman is just one of the most spectacular places you could be doing it in so hopefully it will encourage others. 
So on that note, uh, what tips do you have for anyone planning an expedition? And um, I want two answers here. One that's COVID friendly for people who can't leave their area, their village or wherever they're spending lockdown. Um, and also another one for the future when we can travel as usual again to kind of all parts of the planet. Oh, I think I always think of these things and think, what would I tell myself six months ago? Like that I've learned, what have I learned in the last six months that would help have helped me in the planning for Yellow Go? Um, I think when it comes to kind of COVID friendly things, it's about being realistic, isn't it? But there's so much beauty where we live in the in the here and the now. We often like don't see it because you're so busy rushing around. So I think the micro adventures, whether it's just camping in your garden or challenging yourself to um, not uh, be not go indoors for a whole twenty four hours. Um, that's that's something that's totally achievable in the COVID era. If you live in a rural area, in a city area, for sure it's going to be a bit more challenging, but you could do an adventure to count how many park benches there are in your um, local park because we don't observe that often, do we? And then you'll realise how many of those benches have been donated uh, in memory of somebody or put in a view that's really important to others, you know? So I think there's so, certainly ways you can do uh, micro-adventures where you live. Um, and when travel opens up and you can go wherever you want i think you just need to be realistic and look at whatever your end goal is assess what you need to do to be able to get there so it might be that you want to do some crazy adventure and cross the greenland ice cap but to do that you need to be able to mountaineer you need to be able to ski so then you've got loads of other massive adventures to have along the way so you can then you know don't plan to do it in a year's time if you've not got the skills plan a 10-year project and then um, you'll have so many adventures along the way yeah it's really nice and you kind of got to me with the um observing park benches one because even even though i've kind of explored the area i live so much there are things that i just don't notice unless i'm really looking out for them um, and like sometimes I'll be on a walk kind of with my sister and she'll point out like bird hat boxes and trees and like just things that I'm, I'm not very perceptive. So things I never pick up on. And I think it's really good to kind of, as you were saying, find things that like maybe you don't do particularly naturally or easily and like push yourself to try those as well. What have you been doing throughout lockdown to make sure that you're fit enough to do, to go ahead with Yellow Go? What kind of exercise have you been keeping doing? So I love running. Um, I just really enjoy running. I love being out on the hills and I love being out of breath and I love that burn in your legs. And some people get that from walking. Some people get that from cycling and I happen to get that from running. So I've been doing lots of running in the, the local hills where I live. Um, and actually because of lockdown, I've been able to um, spend more time in those hills than I would normally. So I found loads of other routes that I wouldn't normally do. I've gone on loads of random adventures where, you know, we've ended up going through masses of bracken that's been almost head height that wasn't planned but it's all part of it and we know that that footpath doesn't exist anymore so we're not going to go on it again um and then again i i live in a beautiful area so i can go cycling so i've done a lot of mountain biking as well um so just kind of being outside and um keeping active uh, to keep my uh, my mind sane as well because there's only so much you can do sitting at a computer uh, in your own house isn't there before you need to get out and get a bit of fresh air yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. And then finally, where can people find more about Yalago and what you and Nisa are doing? Super. So Yalago is online, which is www.yalago2020.com uh, or um, on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook. It's Yalago underscore 2020. Um, and for those that are um, not okay with Arabic, Yala is Arabic for go and it's spelled Y-A-L-L-A. -L -L -A. And then I'm on Facebook, which is Taylor underscore N Taylor and then 
and Instagram. And Anisa is again on Instagram and Facebook, which is anisa.rick. Um, so you can find us all on Instagram or um, Facebook or on the website and just message us and get in touch. Um, it'll be great to start a conversation about this amazing journey. Um, and you also spoke at an Anglo-Omani Society webinar recently entitled Oman and Adventure Destinations. So if people want to see Natalie speak there as well, you can find it at our website, ao-soc.org forward slash webinars um, or on our YouTube channels. I know I said that was the final question, but I'm interested in kind of the conversation you were having when you came up with the name Yellow Go. Oh, <laughs> It takes forever to come up with a name. So we initially started with Beeline Oman, um, and we were going to have like a little B as our logo. Um, but then uh, one of the team that help, is helping us organise it, she's from Lebanon, and she says yalla, yalla, yalla to her kids uh, in the UK all the time. And the other kids that don't speak Arabic have learned that that means go, like, come on, go. And then we were like, oh, yeah, that sounds quite good, actually. And so Yalla Go was born. Oh, exactly the kind of name we need to inspire people to go on an adventure. So perfect name. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So thank you very much for speaking with me today, Natalie. I'm really, really looking forward to following you and Anissa as you trek across Oman. It's been great chatting with you and hearing everything Yellow Go is aiming to accomplish. So thank you very much. Super. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We are so excited for Anissa and Natalie's next adventure. We really hope it goes well. And if you'd like to stay up to date with what they're doing, head to Instagram, yalago underscore 2020. Good luck, ladies. And if you'd like to learn more about the society, head to ao-soc.org. And we look forward to welcoming you next week.